now beaming into Nerd FT Radio. This is Nerd FT Radio, where nerds full-time explorers of the metaverse, surfers of the blockchain, and not in our mom's basement. I'm your host, RSG, a.k.a. the ETH Dumper, and I'm here with Crypto Crier, a.k.a. Jack Butcher's number one fan. But enough about us. We have two very special guests with us here today from the Parallel team. We have not one, but two co-founders, Kalos and Mr. Gone. How are you guys? I'm great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Happy to be here. It's going to be fun, man. We got something I've been really excited about just because I'm a big trading card guy. Got into Magic super early, played a shit ton of that, did a lot of Hearthstone, played a lot of Eternal card game. I love those and I love the feel of them, the strategy up behind them. And I've tried all these other Web3 ones. I haven't been pretty happy with pretty much any of them yet. So you guys have a... A lot of cards, a lot of interesting stuff, and I'm very excited about the alpha. But if you guys want to give a little breakdown about your game and what kind of what do you bring to the table here? Oh, that's a great question. Okay, from a game standpoint, I come from a similar background to what you just mentioned. You play a lot of Hearthstone, a lot of Magic the Gathering. When I was younger, I played games like Netrunner. There's a oh, yeah. game called Gridiron, which is like a ridiculous game. Another game that was I think it was called Jihad and then relabeled something else as a vampire game. So yeah, I come from an old school paper card game background. And sure. when I heard of NFTs and the technology, when Kalos kind of first introduced me to it all, it seemed like a perfect fit. I talk about this a lot, but like really my fondest memories of those card games outside of actually playing the games is going to the stores and seeing the like, whatever the alpha shiv and drag or sarah angel or something in the glass case and being like oh i want that and being able to like shop around like that and i think that nfts finally gives you that ability is yeah i own this card and either i want to sell it or i don't own it and i really want it and it's we outside of just yeah yeah, but it's also tradable it's a person to person as opposed to just like giving a faceless corporation your money or whatever not that we're a faceless corporation but you know what i'm saying and so The whole thing just is like super exciting to me. And so we decided, okay, let's try and make a game that is that rests somewhere in between complexity level between Hearthstone and Magic. Yeah. Uh, for me, Magic will always be king, but I don't think that it translates it's, very well to a it's digital game. It's a little bit game. difficult. Yeah. And it's a little bit of a learning curve. It's not something that's like easily thrown onto somebody. Absolutely. Sure. And there's a lot of stopping and starting, I think, when you're playing Magic just because of the nature of it. And it's very easy when you're in person to be like, hold on, I'm going to do this. But when you're online, you can't explain you know, to somebody or yeah. Yeah. So it, I have 21 very, very plus different. one counters on this guy. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so we wanted something. I think I love Hearthstone as well. And I love the way they've streamlined the yeah. card game for the digital age. It really does feel like there's a lot of things that could only be done digital. And so we wanted to bridge that gap in between. Hey, you can only play cards on your turn. And hey, you have to stop the turn every five seconds in order to do something. And so that's what we're trying to do here. Very cool. Big fan of that. That was one of the things that I really, you know, again, I play a lot of Hearthstone, but I, it never got me in because I couldn't trade the cards. It just really, it really crushes it for me because I was always the guy that was always making deals and cutting deals with people to do like a three-way deal. You get these two, I'll take these two, you'll get these here. So that's one of my favorite aspects of all these things. Maybe someone who doesn't really know about Parallels, what's, what kind of environment, ecosystem are you going in for lore and the backstory? And, you know, I've seen a couple of those cards, but. Yeah, sure. Yeah, their story is really around this event called the Priming, and humans have to leave Earth as a result of this 
kind of catastrophic event and they go to different places. So the Cathari go to Europa, the moon of Jupiter. They're very much like clones. Some people are left behind in this exodus and they're called the Earthens and they're forever changed by this, this radiation. You've got the Mercolians who stands for Mars colonists, they inhabit Mars. You've got the Shroud who end up having left before this cataclysmic event, some of our scientists and bright minds, and they kind of get pulled into this black hole. You've got the Augencore who don't their ship, their home, and kind of float through space, obtaining resources from different places and kind of more like asteroid belt miners. And then you have this universal faction that's really like a conglomerate of a bunch of different people. And so it's really a sci-fi oriented theme story about a number of different groups of people that have been separated from each other for thousands of years and have now become quite different from one another, but obviously still face very human problems. So it's a story as well. Like it's not just a trading card game. We have a series of comics that we're working on. We're about to release issue two of our comics and we tell that story, but it also in, unfolds and is depicted in the card. So that's at a high level kind of, I think you've seen probably a lot of fantasy themed TCGs and For TCGs. Sure. And I think it was just something different. We wanted to tell a story, unify it with this narrative line that is the comic that we're working on, as well as this game and the cards and unify them together. So you'll see the same characters that you have on cards, like Magna and Meredith. You'll see them on the cover of like comic two, and it gives you some understanding and some story behind what, you know, what it was like when they made Planet Fall on Earth. I like that idea, explaining the lore and stuff like that. Do you guys then also have a, like a single player lore driven part of the game as well? I know Hearthstone does some of that stuff where they're, they have cards like deliberately released that have a story or background that you play through. Is that a, a, one of the plans as well, or is that something? So we've got a lot of ideas. Uh, one of the one of the things kicking around the mode that we've designed. I'm not sure when it'll be released, so don't don't quote me on any of this stuff. But one of the modes that we've designed is a single player run through a bit of, of a deck builder scenario. So if you've ever played Aspire or something like oh, that, Aspire is great. Similar to that, but more in the sort of parallel style. Um, so that's one of the things we're looking at, but I'm not sh exactly sure when that'll be ready. And I hate even mentioning things like that because uh, yeah, just, people so hear one thing and then they hold us to it. But yeah, the idea is to eventually get there with something like that. But right now, our main focus is the online and PvP style play. We actually have a mode that we're working on as a 3v3 mode. Yeah, it's a, a bit of a team game, which is something that I think has been lacking from card games. And so we're going to try and yeah, bring it into the more that was another thing i used to play with magic i used to have like nine people playing and you'd have 3v3v type battles and stuff like that so definitely super interesting on that front i like that addition as well another one thing that you guys have been talking about is not making it specifically only you have to pay to win or buy the cards outright or play to earn type situation what are the some of the options that you have for people who are fresh to nfts don't really know what they're doing but also are interested in something in your ecosystem Totally. Yeah. I'm, when I started this, I was f fairly new to NFTs and Kalos educated me in all, all ways crypto. But one of the things that we talked about right at the beginning was, okay, we're going to do this. It's got to be accessible to gamers. And not that there's like a, a wall between gamers and people who collect NFTs, but certainly it's a Venn a diagram. Fence. It's not like a full overlap. Right. And so yeah. we wanted it to be accessible, whether or not you own the cards. And so the big thing that we have been trying to do since the beginning was basically just figure out a way to make this free to play. And what we came up with is apparition cards. So basically, when you start the game, you'll get these, uh, what we've been calling rookie decks that you can play like with. a starter deck, essentially yeah. from Magic or... Hearthstone. And then you can earn your way to having apparition versions of those cards, which basically means that you can use those cards to craft other decks. And the difference between the NFT cards and the apparition cards is basically 
just that they're not sellable or tradable. You can't spawn cards with them because we have a spawning system, which I'm sure Kalos will get into. But really, like from a functional standpoint, they're the same. If you want to talk magic terms, if you have a Sarah Angel apparition versus a Sarah Angel NFT, uh, from an in-game standpoint, when you're playing against another player, there's functionally no difference. However, if you want to partake in the ecosystem, if you want to earn Prime, which is the cryptocurrency that the game will allow you to win, you need to have NFTs in order to do yeah, yeah, you can have a couple cards, right? And there's this chart that the game shows you every time you win. It says you used X number because you don't get it. You don't get prime for not winning the game. You have to win the game, and then it says you used X number of your 40 card deck are NFTs, and therefore you get this reward token, this ERC20 prime. And then you know you can do things. Mr. Gon just alluded to this mechanic that the game has, where if you have a card. Because these cards have fixed fixed edition sizes. And so the most common card has a 50,000 edition card that's considered common in rarity. If there's any subsequent demand for cards, because again, you want if you want to earn prime, let's say there's more players than 50,000, how are they going to get cards? Because we can't print more cards. The, an the answer there is that people can spend prime and this other kind of like XP at the card level, we call it renown. They can spend a little bit of this centralized kind of data point currency and this reward currency that is ERC-20 and they can make more cards. Those are called echoes. So really what ends up happening is you have this reward system whereby it's not isolated to echoes, but the goal is to create this reward system where as there's more demand for playing the game and people play and win and then says, oh, if you have NFTs, you win this reward, they're going to need NFTs to play the game. And where are they going to get them? They're going to get them from holders of the existing cards because the existing cards can print more cards for players. So and essentially, like it's it, you have a, a set of the 150 as a holder of these, you're able to create the a, an echo of the card every like a time based function. I'm guessing, right? Or, it works. It works on a bit. It works on like a bit of a the way it's contemplated and structured today is is and it's not online yet. This function this really matters when the game's in open release. The way it's contemplated and structured today is a bit like a Dutch auction. So like in a right. time interval, you can have a floor price of let's just say I'm going to make up a number. This is arbitrary, but like point one prime to create a card. And if you do it, and then I try to follow you and make another card because there's a lot of demand for cards in that same time interval, mine costs, let's say, 0.2. Wait, okay, yeah. And then it cools down after that next time interval, so it can go back to floor. That's so, actually like what Ethereum has done with the gas system. Correct, sure. yeah. So look to things that work to create me mechanics that make sense I to really scale. Like yeah, I like that. So when demand creation card of demands is up, it, the cost to make create them is up. So correct. But what that does is like from a game economy standpoint, is it also incentivizes people to sync prime the reward token back into the play to earn pool. And most the vast majority of the sync goes back into the play to earn pool. And the re what that does is it essentially says there's more people who want cards, there's more demand for them. Create the card. You can sell the card, which is great. You get to keep your original card, which is perfect for the collector. Um, yeah. and then there's now another player with a card but also you've reduced the circulating supply of the token by syncing it. So it kind of keeps this cool. balance in the ecosystem. A hey, quick question for you guys. On the side of the community that you guys have built, obviously on Twitter, you guys have around over 100,000 followers on Discord, around 40,000 people in your Discord. Me and Cryer, we always talk about the correlation between the individuals that grew up playing, if it was WoW, if it was RuneScape, if it was Pokemon, if it was Magic, if it was any of these games that most of us in the NFT side of things, if we played it when we were younger, we tend to come around and join the NFT space and as part of the PFP game and all that stuff that's going on right now. 
what you guys like how what do you guys see mostly in that community of people is it more of the sense of like trading card fanatics or do you also see like have like hardcore heavy like pfp profile or pfp nft people in the community is it a mix like how are people finding out about you guys is it more on the pretty much the question is, is it more on the side of the like nft game of what it is now or is it actually like hardcore like trading card game of people in the real world well that's a tough question i think it's honestly i think it's just a an even not even i don't know about even but it's definitely a split amongst all sorts right i think that if you're going to be successful in the nft space you have to appeal to a wide group and especially if you're going to be in the Absolutely. nft gaming space like i said we want to sure. appeal to gamers but that's not our only appeal, obviously, if you're going to exist in the Ethereum ecosystem, and I'm sure Kalos can speak to this a little bit better, but if you're going to exist in that ecosystem, you have to appeal to the people that already exist there. Our goal is to use the game to bring people into crypto and the blockchain and Ethereum. But in order to survive, you have to be a part of what currently exists. What is going on. I think yeah, our yeah. community is a mix of people. There, there are people who a lot of people actually, and again, I think maybe Kalos knows, knows the numbers better than me, but a lot of people, this is their first NFT project that they're That's a awesome. part of. But of course, there we got a lot of seasoned veterans as well. The only reason I know anything about NFTs is the great team that I work with and the people in our Discord. They've really brought me along because when I started, I was like, and even still am a complete noob when it comes to this stuff. And they, they've held my hand and guided me along the way. I'll definitely... Yeah. Same thing for me. Cryer, he's the one that just, he, I hold his hand and then he just takes me along while he does. He journeys into it and I learn a My bunch son. with him. That's why, yeah, that's why I do this podcast with him and no one else because he, he's the one that teaches everyone. But go ahead, Kalos. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think it's a healthy mix, right? There's definitely some folks in there who look at the art on the cards because we were really fortunate yeah. to work with these world-renowned artists who sure. made all the greatest, they worked on all the greatest films we love. They they're just, I think there's definitely a conglomerate of people there that are really into the cards. And there's some people who are really into the game mechanics. There's some people who are just into collecting, right? Or NFTs in specific. And I think that's the nice thing about it is everyone's perspective is gives them a, a reason different. to participate. And we're, that's cool, right? That's a good thing. But I think generally speaking, you probably have a group of people in totality that think, yeah, hey, I really want a great game. I want a game that I can sink my teeth into. That's legit. That's fun. That's competitive. And I think that's like, the common thread amongst most people. Like, I don't think you encounter sure. too many people who just buy cards and don't intend on ever figuring out how to play or... Yeah, know. like not utilizing them as much. Yeah. I saw that with Pokemon a little bit, but there was still a lot of it is a strategy card game is more so the idea of what we're going for. I collected Pokemon cards and never once played a Pokemon. That's what I'm saying. Like besides yeah, Pokemon, I think most of them are like... Oh, I will, oh okay, yeah. okay, perfect. Because I, I remember there's... a little bit of Yu-Gi-Oh, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think there's like this group of people who just fall in love with characters and like worlds. And they're just the same way you love po yeah, Pikachu or, yeah, exactly. And so I think we see, we see that happening in the early stages for Parallel, which is like incredible. And again, a testament to the artists Absolutely. and the folks who work on the IP. Yeah. So not only beautiful cars, but we've also seen some demos on some augmented reality. And so you guys are not only just going the route of NFTs, you've also started to showcase some of the augmented reality side of things. What was sure. your main focus on pushing there, kind of future proofing the from the industry side, or is it more so just really passionate about the tech behind AR? Both. It's rel relatively, it's relatively straightforward for us to create those pieces just because the technical know-how of the team, but 
really like the reason those things exist. Okay. So there's really two facets here. One is that we created this actual playable version of the game in AR. It's a vertical slice of the game that exists on Twitter. I'm sure you could find this video of us playing at this AR. Yeah. So that's real. That's not, it's not the full game, but the game is real and it's playable P to P on yeah. mobile. And that was like an exploration around, Hey, how do we get to that Dajaric like gameplay for a TCG? Cause that would really change the space. So it was a really early exploration for us. And the reason that happened is as we make these cards, although they appear 2D, a lot of the artists work in 3D and then flatten things. And then, flatten. yeah. So what we do is we take this approach where the vast majority of cards, we actually create uh, 3D elements and refine them from those cards. And that way we're creating this library as we create this, these cards, we're creating this library of 3D equipment and assets. And that library can be used in the future to power subsequent games should we decide to build them. So now you don't have to go making Lancer tanks and LAR rifles and all these characters in 3D. You have them in 3D. So as we develop cards, we're developing this library and that library is used to power subsequent games in our minds, assuming success, we can use that to power more ways to play. And that's really yeah, the similar to there. how he was talking, Gon was talking about having the possible Slay the Spire type integration. You already have some of the assets. It's not something to build out. I, yeah, it's a really good approach as well. Yeah, I also think that the game started because a bunch of us got together and decided like, hey, we know tech let's and we know games. Let's see what we can do here. And it really was just about what's fun and what's interesting to us. And I think that Kalos sure. especially is a futurist, really, and always likes to see what's around the corner. And if he gets a glimpse of something, whether it be AR or crypto or whatever, it's just, okay, how do we integrate this into what we're doing? Because it's exciting for us. It's fun. It's interesting. Yeah. And I think that really is the driving force behind almost everything, honestly. And it's not like a flash in the pan. Oh, we're in, we're doing AI now. It's more of, no, we see the value here and it will heart, it's sharpen and produce a better quality product in the future. Yeah. Um, like instead of going the route of most people around these days there. Yeah. Most I think like at the time we were project. Yeah, at the time, I think we were really like locked in on like for like replication of the physical card experience. If I rewind the clock when we started to make some of this AR stuff, we were like, hey, I can show up at Mr. Gon's house and pull out a deck of cards from my pocket and play magic with him. How do we do that over the internet and make it feel special? And then you see what we all saw with Star Wars and Dejaric at the when we were kids. And you're like, hey, these holograms are amazing. We have these 3D pieces. What if we made it playable? The same way I could pull out my deck, I could pull out my phone and then I could sit in front of them and play a game on the dining table. And then instead of just them being cards, they were tanks that popped up on the cards. And it went from there. Like, how do we create, recreate that magical kind of fun thing that people do, but make it flexible so that you can play in a totally different location or you could have either someone... play either way. Exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't constrain you to only one, you know, mechanic of playing. Yeah. I really like that approach. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we'll see some whip out my whole card collection and be like, yo, choose what cards you want. I want to see that. I want to, that's what I want to see in the holograph. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think right now we're focused on shipping a really high quality desktop game to start for sure. and showing that it's possible. And I think the alpha will prove our point quite poignantly that we've done a lot of work to make it as an alpha really quite impressive. And right. I think people will have a lot of fun with that. And I think as we continue to develop that, well, we'll be looking at scale and scale is mobile is where scale is. So yeah, it's going to be an inevitable thing we approach eventually. For sure. And that's exactly why Hearthstone solidified itself in such a manner, I think, because there was quite a few card games that came out around that time. And I think they just really stuck to the very clean mobile gameplay experience. And that's why they loaded themselves away. 
but a little bit talk about the alpha. I actually just got my acceptance today, so I'm very excited about that. So the, nice. give a little information on that. It is starting on the second, correct? For the second wave, or is it? Well, I don't know the dates for the waves, but the alpha okay. will open up on the 28th for the first wave, and then a week later okay. for the second wave, a week later for the third wave. And then the last weekend, we'll open it up to everyone who was invited to any of the waves for a big free-for-all. Can you imagine if we came on this podcast and he didn't get in? He's just like, so? I know. Oh, my <laughs> God. Like, this is bullshit. Yeah, yeah hatch, exactly. Hatchet job. Yeah. Yeah. Hatchet job. No, but uh, yeah, so I got, I'm in the second wave, so I'm excited. So again, I've, I, I played a couple of other ones. There's been Skyward, Sky, yeah, and then there's Skyward. Been, oh, Skyweaver, yeah, correct. Yeah, that one I played a part of, uh, pretty decent. And again, it's like that sci-fi. There's not a lot of sci-fi ones, but they did a fairly decent job on the NFT side. Maybe a little lackluster, I think, maybe on the cart. And then the, myth, what was the other one? The Mythic. I played that one a long time ago. The Ungod Chains. Uh, gods Unchained. Chains and, yeah, Gods Unchained. Again, and they... There's just something about them that just, I think, is a little bit lackluster in the sense that what you explained to us here is really what I think sells it and drives it home is the idea of replicating that trading card experience. And I think those aren't doing those like at all. Again, it's very similar to the approach of why I quit playing Hearthstone in the sense that it's just, it feels there's not a lot of community around it. There's not like, that's what was cool about something like magic or whatever there was i found like a whole bunch of people that were also interested you're at you're talking about additional gameplay with three three v three more people it's not just one v one so these aspects of community i think and camaraderie between other players i think and, and my decision to play this game and kind of talk with you guys today i'm with you i think that the biggest knock against not those games in particular or whatever but any games in the crypto space right now seem to be way too crypto centric and i think that what we're attempting to do is to find the fine line between the two which is like engage with the game and if you like the game and you're interested then engage with the crypto whereas i think a lot of these games are, are sort of uh, crypto up front and crypto We need to make focused. a crypto version of this, but not focus on the gameplay of it. More. I, again, I think it's a testament to our team that we're able to, I think anyway, straddle the line b between those things. And it's a fun game for people who want to play it. And then it's, I think, a great onboarding system for people who are interested in, in, in crypto. Yeah, I think onboarding by incentive is like a really good model. Like every time you win, you're going to be met with that screen that says you would have won this amount of prime. There's only so many times I think seeing that and you're eventually going to be like, okay, what are these cards and how do I get them? Yeah. And especially if you enjoy it, right? Exactly. If you're already here and doing it repetitively, you're like, you may as well I get mean, the reward. I might as well get the reward here. Yeah. And also like I'm enjoying it more. I might as well, maybe I, why couldn't I get more reward out of these? Cause I can buy some of the, was it the founder FE edition that yeah. is able to First produce? edition. Yeah. The first edition, first special edition. editions and PLs, which are perfect loops can all produce more cards. Gotcha. We also think that something that the game team did well in creating parallel was like ask themselves what could be different about the existing game card games and find opportunities to make the game take the next step as a game like i think the whole thing that mr gun has always hammered home is in magic you had a mana system that mana system you could be flooded or starved in hearthstone you had this linear allocation of power every turn you and in parallel perfect curve you know yeah and in parallel you have this decision and every turn you can bank a card turn any card into one energy 
and there's ways to cheat energy and stuff like this. But like for the most part, now you have this like strategic decision, but it's still linear. So you can solve yeah. and took that next step as a game. You're not going to get flooded if you don't want to be flooded. Like you exactly. have a, an idea of what you're going to be playing a future kind of strategy wise, not you're automatically flooded because of chance or range. Yeah, and like you can just, you have some cards in your deck that are only used to respond to Shroud players or other kind of certain types of play styles. And when you see the opponent and you're like, oh, this is a Markolian, you're like, and you get this card, you're going to know right away that I'm going to use this card for energy or for power because I'm going to bank it. I'm not facing the opponent that I need it for. And so I think it like makes use and makes strategic decisions and information trades a bit as a game that helps the TCG space take this next step, which is what I also think is looked as, as a difference. Good. Yeah. A lot of cool ideas here. Cry, I'm over here because I'm not as deep into trading card games as you guys, but the one I'm playing now, and again, I grew up on the side of, again, the RuneScape, the Madden, the Call of Duty and whatnot. But now on this side, I mean, I've found Marvel Snap for me the last three, four months. I've been just cruising through this game and having a blast. So the things that you're saying right now, I'm actually like picking up. It's like, I'm picking up little words and I'm like, oh, that makes sense. This makes sense. But then I need to like, I need to figure out a little bit more what's going on 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 the lingo. But again, based on what you guys were saying and how, again, you can look behind me, like you see how big of a fanatic I am of Marvel. And it's not only because of the characters, it's because of the lore, it's because of the video games, it's because of the movie, the show, et cetera. And when you guys are going into different uh, departments, different ways of doing things. It's not just the game. It's the lore. It's the single player even. It's the actual art. It's everything, the community. It's the crypto side. There's so many avenues that you've taken that you're going to be able to get p- pick up people on the way and not specifically just in each one. You're going to have every single one. So that's the really cool thing about seeing what you guys are building, what you guys are doing, and which leads into Maybe one day my room's full of all the parallel characters. I'm actually just like going through all these cards. Yeah, and really I got to cool. ask you guys really quickly, like Mr. Gone or Kalos, what's your favorite card? Because I see so many. I got to know which one is the one that you guys like. Really quickly, just to go back to what you were just saying, is I think we we all grew up the same way. Like you can't really see it, but behind this chair here, like there's a bunch of shelves and racks of comics and stuff like that. There's a little Gundam over here. But we grew up obsessing about these characters so oh, Kalos yeah. and I we bonded over Marvel what are they called what are the Marvel cards called Kalos uh, Marvel Masterpieces yeah. I have every Marvel yeah. Masterpiece from 19 what is it 1988 through to 1996 and the reason why our Masterpieces are called Masterpieces it was styled after those Marvel cards it's like we yeah. we we are building a card game but we want to build a whole universe we used to growing up but for me the big card my favorite card right now is hijack because uh, there's a perfect loop version of it and it tells a great story yeah i'm probably a t- i'm like i'm an earthen maxi personally i like i'm really i'm big on tain i think tain just looks really cool but i think everyone has like a favorite card i think there's almost like there's two questions what's your favorite card that's a character and who's your favorite character and who's your favorite? What's your favorite card mechanically? And I think everyone would give you different answers. Yeah, there's just too many to pick from, but I just personally really relate to the Earth and cards. Very cool. And I do that approach too. Again, like all these cards are already created there. You can already see what, what they will do in terms of like their active, active ability and stuff like that. What are some of the things that you're going to be planning on for changes to cards, anything like that? Are these going to be something that are permanent or is it something that where you're going to be like game balances like that going forward? 
Yeah. So one of the big things as well, when we first started, because we were talking about, obviously these cards are minted on the blockchain and once it's there, but one, one of the things that, that was like big in my mind was, okay, every game in the world needs some kind of balance to. changing. And so while the cards themselves are minted on the blockchain, the stats are actually dictated by the game. So we have the ability to, to balance changes needed. We've talked about this before. Obviously, I'm in the camp of if something is out of whack, let's try and buff instead of nerf because that always feels better. At the end of the day, I think that like changes. Yeah, of course. Changes are going to have to be made. And our, it's just our sort of goal to communicate that to our users long before the changes are enacted so that people can act accordingly like any other digital or paper card game. Another thing that I want to mention, though, and it's something that we've bandied about, and I don't even know if I'm allowed to talk about it really, but whatever, is that because the cards are minted on the blockchain, right, and you own the cards once you buy them, potentially have the ability to do something with them outside of the parallel game proper. And some of the best sort of game modes that, that have ever existed, as far as I'm concerned, have come from people modding games. So think of Dota and all that stuff where like Warcraft 3 mods, Tower Defense was a Warcraft 3 mod, Counter-Strike was a mod to Half-Life when it first started, and so was Team Fortress was a mod to Quake, I believe. All the best things come from modding, you know, whether or not people want me to say it, I think that because these cards exist on the blockchain, like I think people should go nuts with them. Take them, do wild things with them. And it's actually for the better that some of the things aren't minted with the cards so that you can use them in your own way you and make yeah, up how new you game modes and stuff. Yeah, making new games. I really like that idea too. That's another one that, I don't know if you've heard this one, but it's called the DeFi Kingdoms, but it's a, a card game that's coming out. It's from on Avalanche or whatever, but they have the same exact approach. They already have like multiple people already create, you know, again, they created all the assets for everybody. All the cards exist, but there's multiple people creating full game modes cards already there's a person who has like a whole discord built their own inner like you can play with each other through the discord and like text-based game modes the person who built like a full pixel pvp with the game with the cards already too so like very interesting ideas and again it kind of it also solidifies you as a, a game creator too a little bit because there's people using using your game to showcase their skills something like that and i think that kind of makes a moat between you again like uh, the people actually not using you just for your cards but people creating their own stuff there's open open source you know and that's kind of like how why Dungeons and dragons is so popular too everyone gets to create their own story with the with the idea it's also very much like the ethos of web 3 is like everyone's ability to contribute right i think yeah and, I, and on top of that like when it comes to like buffing and nerfing right we also have expansion sets that we're working on as the game starts to roll out the art team's already like the set that you're seeing on parallel.life is the base set of cards and i think somewhere between a like quarterly or semi-annually we plan on releasing expansions and we've already started the work on the first expansion set called planetfall very cool so pretty much let's talk about just like card set sizes and stuff like that. I would say like the large sets in Magic are around 300 or something like that. What do you work at rocking with the current like set sizes? Any idea of going forward? It's going to be small sets, large sets, a mix. So currently we have just under 300 cards in our base set. And then going forward, it'll be smaller sets augmenting the game. Our goal is to, I think eventually every card game hits a point where you have to like cycle cards in and out. But our, our goal right now is to keep the game as expansive as possible so rather than immediately deciding okay we're gonna we're gonna do the like base set three expansions and then cycle a new season or, or whatever a new sort of competitive arc i don't know what you want to call it but for now we're just gonna try and pack in as many of those expansions as we can yeah very cool probably somewhere in the i don't know 150 to 200 somewhere in there awesome Man, I, yeah, again, I hadn't been, a, I've always seen all of your cards, always loved all the pictures, everything, and the quality of the cards, 
craftsmanship looks always awesome. Seeing the videos, they are. But it's such a expansive system that I hadn't seen anything with actual gameplay until more recently. And that's when I actually really got interested in it. But what do you, what's your kind of starting point for someone who has no idea? What do you recommend? How to get in? You know, look, RSG has no idea. What I'm about, I'm literally about it. I got to get a we, pen. Hold up. I got to get a pen. What do we do as a user? To, to get into these style of games? No, in, in general, just no, like specifically. getting into your ecosystem. What yeah. do we, what do you recommend in researching like how to start for you as a player, if someone interested, like listening to this podcast? Like, We, what, we have oh, a man. starter guide. We have a starter guide on the website. Yeah, perfect. You can yeah, you hit that up. Go look at the cards on Parallel.life and read their card functions, understand what they do, maybe start theory crafting. You can create a deck on Parallel's site. When you go to the game client and sign in, if you're in closed alpha, your deck will automatically show up if you created it on website. So I think have some fun with it, right? Get in the Discord, meet some of the people, ask them how they think about the cards and what they like about it. The team's always hanging out in Discord. So I think that's maybe my high level recommendation. Gone, what do you think? Yeah, I was going to say for sure Discord's the way to go. There's a lot of really knowledgeable people who inhabit our Discord. Kalos, myself, and a bunch of other team members are always there lurking as well. Just be around. Really, almost even a lot of the people that have ended up working at Parallel have come from the community. So I think that, and they all started with zero knowledge. So I think really it's just get around other people who know the game, who understand, and just ask questions. It's anything else like how do you learn a new skill? Either you watch a YouTube video or you ask somebody who knows and there's, yeah, there's a bevy of people just waiting to, to, to answer your questions. And of course, you can always contact us. We're on Twitter at Parallel TCG and at Parallel TCG Pod. And we are human beings who answer our appropriate messages. So for sure, feel free to ask. Yeah, yeah. answer my nudes, but everything else was answered. So good. <laughs> yeah, and I think maybe RSG, you said earlier, you're playing Marvel Snap, like you're getting a sense of things like, I think oh, yeah. these are all like gateway games, right? Into for sure. Because in my mind, Parallel sits somewhere between Hearthstone and Magic, probably closer to Hearthstone in that in its complexity and the way the mechanics work. So I think there's a lot of people who are now being introduced to TCGs via things like Snap that are probably going to find like at some point that they want a little more complexity or a little more control over the strategy. And we are sitting right there waiting for that to happen. One next step up because, yeah, I I like Marvel Snap. I think they did a great job on the mechanics side. It's a little bit unique system for sure. But, yeah, it does lack a little, just a little bit of the complexity that I really enjoy with a lot of card games. But yeah. overall, I have been having fun. So, again, it's that next little bit, little push into getting a little less repetitive and a little bit more here for theory crafting and building a little bit. Yeah, I think what they did is genius. It depends on the type of gamer you are. and I love the shortness what, of the game, really. Yeah, it's perfect. Super, so that's one of the things fun. that a lot of people forget when they're thinking about games. Like, obviously, game designers go over this all the time, but it's how people experience games and especially where they experience games. So a game like Marvel Snap, be, being a mobile game, you can play it on the bus, you can whatever, play it in the bathroom, you could do whatever. And usually those experiences, you don't want them to be like 30, 40 minute excursions right and you you want quick snappy gameplay you want to be able to like challenge a bunch of people at once and then walk away from it whereas some of these other games that we're talking about that have richer strategies like parallel the games are still not that long but probably the experience that you want to get out of it is going to be a little bit different right you want to spend time building decks you want to spend time trying combinations you want to spend time exploring the game a little bit more and but that's why we built a pc game right because the idea here is like those types of games people are more apt to interact with when they're sitting down in front of their computer and taking Focusing the time on it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, cool. I did want to say that they buffed my boy Sandman just recently, and he's just a dog right now. I just wanted to say that. And I did want to ask, because we talked a little bit about Marvel, and you can't leave this podcast without without answering this question. I need to know your favorite Marvel character, because I just need to know. Both of you. Do you have an answer, Kalos? I do, but it's like such an unconventional answer that you want to go first? I appreciate it. No, I want your unconventional answer. Okay, yes, so please. for me, the thing, for whatever reasons, is stuck in my head since childhood is, this sounds so stupid because he dies in episode like two of X-Men, is Morph. I don't know if you guys remember Morph. He has, okay, yep. so Morph, Morph like dies. He's Wolverine's best friend. He yep. dies, I think, episode two of X-Men on the cartoon in like the 90s. Yep. And I was like a huge Morph fan. But what I loved about X-Men in particular was that it explored like such adult themes for a Correct. cartoon, if you think back on it. It was like really adult themed, but it was a cartoon. And it was unbelievable. It was the best. And, and we're, still, by the way, we're getting a new season by the end I of heard. this year. So I heard. We'll see yeah. how that yeah. goes. Amazing. Yeah. So I'd say for whatever reason, Morph always resonated That's with awesome. me as a character. Yeah. There's so many to pick from, but yeah, I'd say probably the one that stands out to me is Morph. That's funny. I'm just going to go with the first one that popped in my head because that's probably where my heart's at anyway which is a nightcrawler go on the x-men that, side of things okay yeah, okay yeah. i like i could i can go if you fin it down we can get specific about a sub franchise here but yeah i am a big i am a huge x-men fan for sure i don't know if you've read any of the newer like house of x or power not house of x a power of x or what is the other one anyway the hickman story arcs that, that have come up where they've kind of redone the entire timeline and now Thames have they done that though they no, keep so, redoing it they're like, <laughs> oh, they but, start it over it. start it over but, start but it what's over. interesting about this one now is mutants have come out into the world and been like yeah we're powerful don't fuck with us they create their own nation and are now like part of the un and all this stuff it's such a crazy different departure from what we were kind of wasn't that yeah. magneto's vision though wasn't his vision yeah. always to create land. what was it yeah, sa- yeah, yeah the savage land thing. it was a savage well, land and, yeah so yeah. his whole thing was though he wanted to wipe out the humans this is like they, oh, they yeah. fa- found a middle ground there but yeah i don't know what's your favorite marvel character all right so my number one is dr strange always has been something oh, about it i love like the whole mystic side but for some reason i don't like harry potter which is like very like when i talk to crier i'm like magic and he's like why don't you like harry potter i'm like i don't know but i don't like harry strange, potter either thank you this Kill, is a great podcast mad. to come on and by the way hogwarts legacy cry you've been crushing that game the last few like days weeks yours tell everyone has told me it's unbelievable so we got to talk about that but the other the two that I always have floating around, I absolutely love Yondu. With I don't know what what's yeah, about Yondu. He's literally right here, and I got a bunch all over. But and the third one is Nova. I love Nova. Okay, like, okay, love Nova. And unfortunately, Nova was pushed back. They were supposed to have a like werewolf. They have an hour little special on Disney Plus. They were going to yeah, do that good. for Nova by the end of 2024 ish, and they unfortunately just pushed it a little bit back. So. We might not see my boy yet, but we'll see. Uh, on the Yondu front, I actually went hunting for the, there's a scene in his ship where he has these, a glass frog on his dashboard. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, went yeah. hunting for the pieces he had on his dashboard at one point time. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. how about you, Cryer? Ooh. Ooh, wait, I don't know this. I'm, one, I'm a tough, that's a tough, I'm not like a, I'm not a huge Marvel guy just in general, Jimmy's but obviously I'm, I'm probably would say. Probably say Wolverine. I'm a big Wolverine guy. Yeah, Wolverine's he's like universally yeah, we're, awesome. We're Wolverine's a, amazing. We're getting. I used to also really like Archangel, but Archangel yeah. was always Arcan- a weaker character in some of the 
movies. Angel, okay. Archangel, pretty good. Silver yeah. Surfer is probably my second, I would say. Silver Surfer. Really? That feels like a weak pick in my mind, Silver Surfer. He's got the power cosmic, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's I don't funny. know. <laughs> no, he's awesome. But yeah, man, hey, listen, we could probably talk. I could. I know I could. And I don't know, maybe Cryer, yeah. well, you'll just We're switching listen. over to where Nam's going to start listening and Archie's going to go. That's how we split back and forth. No, here. but those are definitely... It's awesome. I love, I can talk about it all day long, but again, guys, thank you so much for stopping by. You guys are more than welcome to come by whenever. If you have anything, drop in your side, or if you just want to nerd out, because we always have episodes where we're nerding out, talking video games, talking other crypto games as well, and just overall blockchain and bridging that gap between pop culture and the NFT space. But again, thank you guys so much for stopping by. Cryer, I do have to nerd out one for 30 more seconds because you did your homework and you went and saw Ant-Man. I did. Uh, scale of one to 10. Oh. Tell me what you I, think. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say eight. That, well, Ooh. that's so generous. Oh my God. <laughs> generous. Ant-Man is like my favorite. I don't know. I think the mix of funny and stuff like that. Ooh, I, always it's, I thought it was Wolverine. So I think we're pushing it to Ant-Man. Yeah. Now, I don't know, whatever. What about you guys? What'd you For guys the character think? said? I don't think a lot of people have seen it, but I think that this next phase of, or phase four and beyond is going off the rails in my opinion. And oh, I, I liked curious. it. I liked he's a lot. Curious. He had his nose he's up curious. in the air. We all saw it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I liked, I liked everything Marvel was doing, but this latest phase, I don't know. I don't know. It's the new Guardians. Team. The new Guardians looks really. The trailer looked amazing. I was like, yes. Oh, I'm in. Yeah, Guardians. Hundred percent. Guardians is. I'm gonna. I'm gonna cry like seven times. I just know it. I'm already preparing myself yeah. for multiple characters to go away, and we're, it's gonna be a blast. And it's probably gonna be James Gunn's one of his final, if not final, movie with them since he's over at DC now. Let's see how that goes. By the way, that Flash trailer. Yeah, Flash look good. No yeah, wonder they're keeping good. that crazy Ezra Miller guy over there because maybe that's why. Maybe the movie's that good. But but yeah, again, guys, thank you so much. Cryer, you did your homework. We're good. We'll talk about The Last of Us on the next episode because that's going crazy as well. Mr. Gone, you haven't seen it, so I'm not gonna, we're not going to talk about it right now. So yeah. again, guys, thank you so much for the listeners at home. We'll be back later on next week with another episode of Nerd FT Radio. And... One of these days, I'll end the show on a good note, but I still have to find a closing. I got the beginning, but we can't close it. But we'll catch you guys later. Peace. Peace. Thanks.